Turn in your Bibles to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, we continue, of course, our study of the Feast of Israel. We're seeing these holy days, or you could even say holidays, that God gave to the Jewish people. Why did he do this? Well, we said this. It was to set them apart, to make them, as he calls them, a peculiar people, different than anybody else. Second, remind them of God's works. And, of course, if you think of Passover, it reminded them of certain things. And if you think of these other things, it reminded them of certain things. And then they're actually foreshadows of future events. And so we're going to see how that ties together. This morning, uh, you know, it's real funny. We just had New Year's, right? Well, this morning we're going to look at a feast, the Feast of Trumpets. It's the Jewish New Year. It's on the first day of the seventh month. It's called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh means head. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. So Rosh Hashanah is the first of the year. The first day is of the seventh month. Now, we'd say, well, our New Year's is on the first month. January, but theirs is on the seventh month of their calendar. We'll talk more about it, and we'll see the importance of the Feast of Trumpets for the nation of Israel, but also what it does for us, and we realize that the sound of the trumpet that gathers God's people, it will be both the church and uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and so we'll see how that ties together. Well, New Year's Day is always special. Uh, I, I think of New Year's because I think of a new year in football and everything, and, and that is fun that we all get to be together. We think uh, of New Year's, and we also think it's another, another year of our lives. And sometimes when we start the new year, we all make people make resolutions, and they say things like, well, I'm going to start doing this this year, uh, and they're looking forward to what God will do. Well, as we begin a new year, there, there is reflection and decisions as we think about Christ and he could come back anytime. I think one of the things we should really be doing is if you really look at what's happening in the world, and even though there aren't signs for the rapture, there are a lot of things that are lining up to how the world can be easily in the tribulation. And if that's lining up and the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, we know that the rapture is getting closer and closer. And uh, so <clears throat> when we think of New Year's, uh, especially in the Jewish ideas, the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the, the Savior as the King. So we're looking at the first day of the seventh month. It's called Rosh Hashanah. Let me remind you of what our study is about. We said, we looked at five sections. We looked at the weekly feast, which was called the Sabbath. They'd work six days, rest on the seventh. Then we saw a monthly feast, which was the new moon. They would rest for two days. It was either one day or two days. It's called the head of the month. Then we're looking at yearly feasts. There are seven yearly feasts found in Leviticus 23. Uh, and that's what we're just saying, those yearly feasts, and we've been seeing them. We've been seeing, of course, uh, Passover and first fruits and, the, you know, uh, unleavened bread and all that. We've seen the, some of those. Then there are non-yearly feasts that they don't happen every year, but like the year, sabbatical year every seven years, a year of Jubilee every 50 years. And then special feasts like a bar mitzvah or a wedding feast. And we're also going to tie in. There were things that they did in the book of Ruth. There were things that they uh, they did it in uh, the book of Esther that tied into things that they celebrate. And so we're going to be looking at all those. And we're, so right now we're still right here and we're going through Leviticus 23, seeing these different feasts. Let me remind you of sort of how they fit together. This is a chart that somebody did. And I, I looked at it, I always looked at it a little bit differently. I always said these are spring holidays. This was kind of a summer holiday and these are fall holidays. But most people, and I've looked at it, most people put these together and say Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, all go for spring holidays, even though uh, 
Pentecost is 50 days for first fruits. Then the fall holidays would be trumpets, Day of Atonement, and tabernacles. If you remember, trumpets is on the first day of the month, of the seventh month, and Day of Atonement is on the tenth day of the month, and tabernacles is on the fifteenth day of the month. So these are all three real close together. These are real close together. This one's a little bit separate. So we've already seen Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost. We're now going to start looking at the Feast of Trumpets and see how that ties together. And it just well, I want to just remind you, first of all, uh, the 14th day of the first month is Passover. It reminded them, of course, of the deliverance from bondage in Egypt, the Passover lamb that they came out. But it was a foreshadow of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who delivered us from the bondage of sin. Then there was unleavened bread from the 15th to the 21st. It was a picture of the Messiah who was holy and sinless and reminded us to live in such a way that we have uh, holy lives. Then there was the day after that Sabbath in that week was the Feast of First Fruits. It was a picture of resurrection and Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week. From then they would count 50 days for the Feast of First Fruits. It was called Pentecost. We looked at that and, and we saw it was pretty unique because they would go out and they had two loaves of bread with leavened bread, which was unusual, and they would wave them before the Lord. And, and you know, they read the book of Ruth and all these things tied together. And we realized that the church age actually began on the Feast of Pentecost. And those two loaves probably were foreshadows of Jew and Gentile coming together in one body. So it's pretty, pretty unique and special. All of this were foreshadow. That was a foreshadow of the beginning of the church, which was a mystery. We said that if you ask a Jewish person, why do you do the Feast of, of, of Pentecost? They would say, well, it's like uh, uh, it's time to, to, to celebrate a harvest. We read the book of Ruth. Uh, we wave these things. Why do you wave these two things? And they'd say, we don't know exactly why, but now we know why, because it's a picture of Jew and Gentile together into one body, which is the church. That's when the church started on the day of Pentecost. Then we get to the fall feast, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And so here we are. This is what we're going to look at this morning. Then this, this is the big one. All of these are happy. That's happy, 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 happy. That's not happy. Day of atonement is not happy. And it's the day they afflict their souls. And we'll talk more about it, how and why and how that works and how that fits together. Um, <clears throat> so we're at the, the, the uh, spring ones. And so we'll remind you that we, we've seen the flow and this is like uh, Passover and, and uh, unleavened bread and first fruits. And then here's Pentecost. So when is trumpets going to be? Well, you know, when the church comes, when God comes to get the church, there's a trumpet. When God comes to set up the kingdom, there is a trumpet. And we'll see how that ties together. So we think about it. The, the return of Jesus Christ in the clouds to take the body of Christ out of the church. What is connected with that event? The sounding of the trumpets. Okay? Then they'll be following the rapture, will be the tribulation. And then the second coming of Jesus. What is connected with the second coming of Jesus? It is the sounding of trumpets. So they go together. So when we start thinking about it, for a Jewish person, they'd never think about the church. Church was a mystery. But they would think about the gathering of the people. And they may be thinking about the gathering of the kingdom, that kind of thing. So let me read to you. Let's look at Leviticus, the Feast of Trumpets, Leviticus 23, 23 through 25. Here is this feast. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest. Okay? It's going to be a Sabbath day. A reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. That means a Sabbath. You shall not do, and he's going to explain, you shall not do any laborious work. You shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. So on the first... 
first day of the seventh month is a Sabbath. Remember, Sabbath day doesn't mean Saturday. First day of the week, Sunday. Last day of the week, Saturday. They worked six days, rest on the seventh. So every Saturday was a Sabbath day. But Sabbath day just means a rest day. And we find throughout all the different feasts, there are different days that are rest days. And at the very, on the, on the 14th, uh, the, the the seventh month, first day is a rest day. It's a Sabbath day. So it says you do no work. No, look, you do no work, but present an offering. And so we'll see how that ties together. Um, so seventh month, first of the month, it's called the head of the month, Rosh Hashanah. Their civil year was the seventh month. Their sacred year was the first month. Now, what God did is when they were in Egypt, he said, uh, this month of Nisan is your first, is now going to be considered first month. And that's when they did Passover. And so their new year actually now switched to the seventh month. And that happened because of the Passover and all of that. And so this is how the Jewish people celebrate how they do their things. So what would they do? On the Feast of Trumpets, they would blow trumpets and they would offer sacrifices. That's Numbers 20, uh, 29. So how important, let's think for a second, how important were trumpets to the nation of Israel? Well, you remember that they used trumpets for all kind of different things. First of all, they gathered the people. There was a, a trumpet blast. That they, actually, there were two different trumpets. They would blow some, they were called shofars, but they would blow it. And if they blew it a certain way, everybody knew to gather. Sometimes if they blew it a certain way, they knew that it was time to go fight. Sometimes they blew it in a certain way, and it was announcing of whatever holy day it was going to be. And then sometimes they blew it at the beginning and ending of the day and the month. In fact, when they had the temple built, and when they started the day, and when they started a day, when the sunlight came up, they would open the gates and the doors to the temple. Well, there was a priest that stood on top of the, of the, of the temple area, and he had a, his lookout was to see when, in his mind, that the sun had risen. When, as soon as it peaked up, he blew the trumpet, and everybody knew, and they opened the gates. And then there was another priest. His job was to watch the sun go down, and when he considered it was down, he blew the trumpet, and they closed everything. So trumpets were big, gathering the people for battle, uh, gathering the people just to the meeting, announcing the holy days, all those kind of things. And, and, the, and the thing was called the shofar. The big, and you've probably seen pictures of them. Some of them look curled. Some of them are straight. There's some that are actually golden that they say that they made them in a different way. But nobody knows exactly, but most believe that was the shofar. It was an animal's horn that they would blow. The trumpet reminded the nation of Israel of several things. Number one, it was a new year. It was the nation gathering from Egypt. It was the preparation for the Day of Atonement. And it reminded them of the coming of the Messiah as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So think about this. On the first day of the seventh month, just like we'd say on the first day of the first month of the year, we say it's New Year's and starts a new year. On the seventh month, first day, they would say it's a new year. If you've got a Jewish calendar, if you've ever had a Jewish calendar, uh, it has the date, like 25, 32, something like that. And, and then when you get over to what's let's like our September, October, it flips and it becomes another year because it's the seventh month. So seventh month of their calendar is when the new year begins. Uh, it, 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 it was important because it reminded them how God brought them out from Egypt. It reminded them that on the Feast of Trumpets that they had to get ready for the Day of Atonement. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Trumpets is on the first day of the seventh month. The Day of Atonement is on the tenth day of the seventh month.
And we'll talk more about it in a minute. And it reminded them of the Messiah and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. One of the keys is that in 10 days from the Feast of Trumpets would be the most holy time of the holidays, the Day of Atonement. Now, those 10 days, now even today, if you talk to Jewish people and they celebrate New Year's on the first day of their seventh month, and then on the 10th day of the seventh month, there is the Day of Atonement. That time period from day one through day 10 is called the Days of Awe. The Days of Awe. It was 10 days of penance. They're getting ready for the Day of Atonement. Now, you know that the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, we're going to talk more about it next week, the Day of Atonement was when the sins of the nation of Israel were covered for a whole year. Uh, you, you may have always thought that, okay, I'm living in Jerusalem. No, no, let's do this. I'm living in Nazareth, and I sin. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do when I sin? Take, take sacrifice? Okay, how am I going to go 200 miles to offer a sacrifice and then turn around and on the way back sin again? Right? So the Day of Atonement was a thing that they did which covered the sins of the people for a year. That didn't mean they weren't responsible to do all these things, but it was something that, that they understood that God was gracious to understand that every time a person sinned, they couldn't make a trip to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice. It's not, it just wouldn't work. Now, if you lived in Jerusalem, uh, that's a different story. Uh, and, but people would come, and you remember that every Jewish male had to come to Jerusalem three times a year? What do you think that they all did when they came those three times a year? They offered sacrifices for sin. Okay, because they, you know, we all mess up. They, this 10-day this time period was called the Day of Penance, getting ready for the Day of Atonement. It was a time of judgment. Now, this is going to surprise you if you've never heard this before. Here's what the rabbis taught about between the, the Feast of Trumpets, day one, and the Day of Atonement, day 10. Here's what they taught. They taught that there were three books opened in heaven, now, we know this is not accurate, but this is what they teach. They teach there are three books open in heaven, and in one book, they are the completely righteous people, the book of life. And that means they do everything right. They, they're righteous people. There's also a book called the, the, called the book of death, and that's com- people who are completely wicked. You could think of Haman. They would probably say Haman was completely wicked. He would be in the book of death. They would say Isaiah, or somebody like that, was righteous and great, so he'd be in the book of life. But they said, everybody else, all the average people, are in suspension. And they're not in either one of the books. And it's based, and let me just say it in a nice way, based on how you live is how what book you're going to be in. Now, we know that salvation and being in the book of life is not based on your lifestyle or your goodness or your righteousness, but for them, it was. And so the Day of Atonement, in these 10 days, they said, you better get ready. We're here. Most of us are right here. We want to be in this one. We don't want to be in this one. And so in those 10 days, they called it the Days of Awe, they would look at that. They would greet each other and they would say, may you be inscribed and sealed immediately for a good life. That's what, how they greeted each, other, greeted each other. They would say, may you be unsealed in the book of life. Because they don't know. It is the same as you see so many people today. And if you talk to them and you say, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? What do they say? 
I hope so. Maybe I will. I hope I will. They don't know. They don't know. And if you ask them sometimes, what do you think you have to do? I've had people sit in my office, not recently, but sit in my office, and I've asked them, if you were to die, will you go to heaven? And they say, I hope so. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to tell them. But I say, uh, why do you think you would or wouldn't? And they say, well, I think if I try to live good and, like, pray and go to church and do the right things, I can make it. That's the same as the Jewish people saying, if you live, your average person, you're in suspension. If you live good, you get into this one. If you don't live good, you get into this one. And so from day one, the Feast of Trumpets, till the Day of Atonement, they're in this thing called the Ten Days of Awe. And they would think of the coming Messiah. They would think he's going to come judge. Uh, when we look at Scripture, uh, there is a, there's a place in Matthew where Jesus talked about the separation of the sheep and the goats, the believers from the unbelievers, when he sets up the kingdom. There's something else they would do. At the blowing of the shofar, which is the blowing of the trumpet, the people would read Psalm 47 seven times. Now, we're not talking that this is biblical. We're telling you this is what they thought and this is what they do. I'll tell you next week what they do on the Day of Atonement, what a lot of people do on the Day of Atonement, because in, in the Bible, the Day of Atonement was a special day, and the priests did things. They don't have a temple anymore. So what do they do on the Day of Atonement now? Well, you'll be surprised when I tell you next week what some, some people do on the Day of Atonement. I have a friend that's Jewish, and he told me what he did. And I almost laughed at him, but I didn't. I didn't, because it, it sounds weird, because it has to do with a chicken. Okay, so we'll talk about it more later. But with this idea of the blowing of the trumpet and the, of the new year and all of those things, it goes back and we think about the church and the rapture. The church will be gathered to the Messiah and the Savior. And think about this. Paul says, I'm telling you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. We'll all be changed in a moment, in the twink of an eye, at the What? At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. Now we know that when the rapture happens and Jesus Christ comes, we will hear a trumpet. And in a twink of an eye, we'll be gone. We'll be changed. Now, a lot of people say, well, everybody see us. I don't think people will see us. I think it's going to happen so fast. I'm, I'm not even sure. I, I, don't, I don't know whether unbelievers will hear the trumpet or not. I know that I think we will. And we'll be gone just like that. Now, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's totally different. At the second coming of Christ, every eye will see him. It won't happen that fast. He'll be coming in the clouds, coming to the earth, and we'll be coming with him. We've seen that in the book of Revelation. But in the rapture, he says, I'm telling you this mystery. We're not going to all sleep. We're not going to all die, but we're going to all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. That's going to happen. Look at this right here. This is again for us. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the what? The trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So when we think of the Feast of Trumpets, even though it's, we're dealing with Jewish things, we can come back and say, tied in with the Feast of Trumpets, has to be the rapture in the sense that, that Jesus could come at any second and be the sound of the trumpet and we'd be gathered together. So when Jesus comes to get the church, the sound of the trumpet, it'll be a time, I think I've got this slide. Yeah, when Jesus comes to get the church, there'll be the sound of the trumpet and it'll be joy and judgment. 
because the church will be taken out and then we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I didn't go into the details in the first service because there just wasn't time to do it, but there, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things we've done in this body, whether good or worthless. So that's going to happen. So there'll be more. So when we think about it, at the second coming, the trumpet sounds and the nation of Israel will be gathered. I want to read something for you. This is Matthew. This is Matthew 24. Let me get to it. Matthew 24, verse 31. Let me just read this. This starts at 29. Just listen to this. This is Jesus talking about the end of the tribulation. But immediately after the tribulation, those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. So everybody's going to see him, and the the tribes of the earth, the unbelievers, are going to mourn. They will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud of the sky with great power and glory. And then listen. He will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew 24, basically verse 31, when he says that. Jesus comes and the second coming. And so when we think of Feast of Trumpets, the sound of the trumpet, it literally means a time of gathering. It's like the new year, the new beginning. The church is raptured together with Jesus Christ, goes to the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. And then Jesus Christ comes to the nation of Israel, second coming. There'll be the gathering, the trumpet sound. There'll be the separation of the sheep and the goats. And then there'll be the kingdom. So as we think about it, let me just say one thing about this 10-day time period because we're going to hit on it next week in more details. So on the first day of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets. They thought about going to battle. They thought about Jesus Christ. They thought about the Messiah coming. They thought about beginning of a new year. They thought about all these different things. They also said, we have to get ready for the Day of Atonement. 10 days. Okay? And so... When we hear that trumpet, when they think of that trumpet, they're getting ready. So for us, let's think about it. The Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, covered the sins of the nation of Israel. This is what I want to remind you about. On that day one till day ten, they're hoping that they'll be in the right book. But they know that on that day, God is going to cover their sins. Cover their sins. This class called Day of Atonement. The word atonement means covering. In the New Testament... Jesus comes, and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when we think of of the Day of Atonement, we don't think of our sins being covered. It reminds us that our sins are paid for. So let me give you two applications before we break, okay? First one, well, that goes back to he's the satisfactory payment. Let's be ready for the rapture, because that's the next event. There's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. That's going to happen. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him. You've got to understand, this is not going to be slow motion. This is going to happen so fast that I don't think other people will see it. It says the twinkling of an eye. That's the twinkle of an eye. We just did it. That's, we're gone. I've, I saw a video one time that showed uh, this church service. And they were all there, and the rapture happened, and it was like an explosion. And they all exploded, and smoke came up. And then some people were sitting around looking like, where did everybody else go? Uh, I don't know if there'll be an explosion. I don't know if other people will know anything. 
I just know that in a twink of an eye, every one of us in this room, Lord willing, will be gone. And that's, be ready. How do you get ready? You believe in Jesus Christ. It is amazing to find people that think that they have to do good works to be saved. It breaks your heart. Are you talking to people out there? Talk to people and find out what they believe. You can ask them the question. You can even start off by saying something like, hey, do you have a home church in town? And some people will say, oh, I don't, I don't ever go to church. I say, okay, that's good. Let me ask you a question. If you were to die, you think you'd go to heaven? What are they going to say? They got to, they're going to give you some kind of answer. You can get to talk to them. And, and so that ends the way to do it. Just, just talk. Or if they may say, no, I don't have a home church, but I'm looking for one. Then you could say, hey, come, be, come to our church. Do something like that. You know, who knows? But for us, salvation is a gift. And it has, it's always been that way. And if you look in the scripture, you know, if you go all the way back to Adam and Eve and all the way up to Noah and to Abraham and Isaac, it's always by faith, always by faith. You get to the end of the book, Take the water of life, how? Without cost. Salvation costs us nothing. We're going to see it in the book of Revelation at the end. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The one who hears say, come. The one who wishes, come. And let the one who wishes take from the water of life without cost. Salvation is a gift that costs us absolutely nothing. So to be ready for the rapture means we believe in Christ for eternal life. And I hope and, hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have, you have believed that Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. That's the offer. He died and rose again. He says, believe in me for eternal life. That's the offer. And I hope and pray that everyone in this room, if somebody said to you, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? You'd say, yes, because I have believed in Christ. He has given me eternal life, and I'm saved and saved forever. The second thing is just know the end time events connected with the trumpet, that rapture, uh, the, the, the gathering of the church will come from a trumpet. The second coming, the gathering of the nation of Israel and going into the kingdom will come from a trumpet. So